You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Blustein. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all in private. When we first went in, one of the people said, Who are you? And Texan, said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Hey, it's me, Catherine Knight. Are you still hungry? Oh my God, Catherine, mm. I love it. I loved all that meat. Did you eat? Did, oh my God, I need some Catherine Knight meat. I love that so much. That was really fucked She's up. She's horny. We had a lot of um, cannibal we did. episodes lately. And yeah. I'm a little scared for Mark's episode. Because oh, yeah. as we all know... That when Mark Bluestein leads an episode, mm-hmm. it's usually something really disturbing. Yeah. Yes, yes. It takes some time. It's it going to be... time. It takes editing. Yeah. And when he told us that he had a story that he wanted to share, I was like, well, I feel like you need to go first. Oh, well, I, I always, I'm so honored. I always like that your stuff is more schlocky. Yeah. Thank you. In a good way. Thank you. you. Know, you're like the John Waters. Yes. It's great. Thank you. It's great because kind of how it works is like yours always gets thrown in at like a time where we need it. Oh, yeah. That's so special. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. And I think this story, I have looked and scoured the internet, and I can tell you it's a good one. But anyway, let's start with a question. Oh. Ooh. Yes. All right. So how do you guys feel about the topic of stalking? Like, <laughs> is it something, like, when you think about it, you like, how does it make you feel? I mean, I always use the term Facebook stalk. Mm -hmm. I feel like I shouldn't, though, because it's not like I'm actually stalking somebody. It's like when I want to find something out, I go and, like, look for information. Yeah. But, like, how do you think you would feel if you were being stalked? If I was being stalked, I would be really, like, freaked out by it. I wouldn't want to leave the house. Yeah. How about you? I I think I'd be really, like, anxious. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, who wants to be stalked? No one wants you to know? be stalked. It's, so I, I, it de- I would be uncomfortable. But sometimes I think if you're stalking someone, it could be necessary. Maybe you're just trying to get to the bottom of something. It yeah. could be. Yeah. But if somebody was, like, obsessed with me and infatuated with yeah. me and, like, followed my every move, that would be really disturbing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one stalk us, please. Yeah. Please don't. Don't please do don't. it. I mean, it's just... Have either of you ever been stalked? I haven't. <laughs> have I? I feel like I would have been because I'm well, so iconic. Well, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Yes. This is... Yeah. Um, of course. There was one person who we will not name... A peculiar character. I think Jen knows this story. Who would I know who show up at Mark's job essentially where mm-hmm. he works? Yeah. Do you want to continue? Or? Yeah. Actually, I guess I I was stalked. This person showed up at my job, told my employees that I was friends with him and that I promised him a job, mm-hmm. which I did not. Oh I, w- I wasn't even yeah. friends with him. And <laughs> yeah, pretty, that, that um, right there is enough. Yeah. You know, he has done a lot of like um, copying, like single white female mm-hmm. type of copying. Okay. Not just with me, but with Mark. And yeah. also I have seen him walking around my mall mm-hmm. and he's there all the time and he will definitely stare at me and he did follow me once that's really fucked up yeah so yeah maybe they're listening to this 
episode. Maybe. He could be. He'll probably know that it's him yeah. if he does hear it. Probably. But, hey, girl. Well, this story tonight does involve a stalking element. It might, Is it like Daniel LaPlante? It's not quite like Daniel. You're just going to have to hear. Okay, and, let's yeah. get into it. I'm, I'm like really, I've been really excited since oh, you told me that you have a story. So, I'm so glad. So tonight I'm bringing us to Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay. Okay. It's a warm day in June of 1989. Oh, the year I was born. Oh my God, we love it. Yes. But before I was born, but I was born in that year. Now, there's a team of men doing road work, and one of them wanders away to an abandoned house nearby to go pee, essentially. Which one would do if they're yeah. doing road work? Absolutely. You know, you gotta go, you gotta go exactly, somewhere. Yeah. As this road worker approaches, he's overcome with a really terrible smell. Oh, Ooh, so, that's never good. That's never I good know. when you walk into a place with a very, very terrible distinct odor. Exactly. Dead body. Oh, wow. Yeah, dead body. Yeah. yeah I mean, NPCs. Yeah, NPCs. <laughs> MPP. His PP. So essentially, he chalks it up to like litter and garbage being all around the home because it was abandoned. It was like a squatter type place. Yeah, like a hoarder's situation. Okay. And it was just a really hot day. As the road worker makes his way into the backyard of the home, you know, the grass is overgrown. It's messy, what you'd expect to see. Mm -hmm. But then something catches his eye. It wasn't rotting garbage in the summer heat as he initially suspected at all this discovery is exactly what you're thinking it is it is a body mm. okay. a male or female it's a female lying on their side just a few feet away from where he was was the body of a woman her name was cindy james Ooh. now okay mm-hmm she was hogtied with her hands and feet behind her back and a black nylon stocking tied tightly around her neck so tight that it began digging into her neck, like becoming fusing was, okay. with her, essentially. Her face was noticeably black from decomposition. So how long was she out there? Like two weeks. Ooh, oh, that's a yeah. very, very long time. Yes, and it's noted that it was such a stark contrast with her golden blonde hair. I feel like at that point, though, it would be very difficult to identify the body if it's like two weeks of just sitting there and decaying. Oh, yeah, but... The police had a good idea as to who this person was already. Oh. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Very bizarre, right? You're like, somebody calls, I found a dead body. And they're like, I bet it's this person. Right. As they suspected, it was the body of the person they thought it was. Of Cindy James. Cindy James. She was a middle aged woman, a nurse by trade. She had disappeared about two weeks prior to the discovery of her body, like we said before, too. Her car had been found abandoned in a parking lot with her groceries as well as a gift that had been wrapped for um, a friend of hers' child. There was a drop of blood on her driver's side door, and it appeared as though her purse had been emptied out and all of its contents were, like, pushed under the car. This clearly sounds like a story that's involving foul play. Listening to this, you would be like, yeah, it sounds like just a murder. Somebody was murdered. But the police felt as though murder was up for debate. Why? Well, we'll get into it. She was hogtied. Uh, I know. Well, with a pantyhose. Yes, and keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. Now remember, the police already were like, "We know this person." Yes. They were like, "She committed suicide." But how would one commit suicide with their hands tied behind yeah. their back? Yeah. Oh, this is only the beginning of a truly fucked up shitstorm. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. 
It sounds like there's foul play already. Like oh. layers of foul play. Cindy's autopsy revealed that her blood contained high amounts of a morphine-based drug. It was essentially theorized that she had died of an overdose. Okay. And she probably did. It's been established that like that was technically her cause of death was a morphine overdose. Now, the coroner lists her death as an unknown event. Mm. I mean, is that not just insane? Be like, That's insane. Like you an should un- have something listed, at, yeah. like at least like a murder yeah. Yeah. or suicide. Like unknown overdose. event. Is that like, it's fucking crazy. I'm going to inform you that this wasn't the first time that Cindy was found like this. Only this time she was dead. She was dead. Cindy had been found hogtied. <laughs> Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. I don't. How many? How many times? I think about two or three other times. So she was found hogtied. I'm not Uh, laughing because it's funny. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. 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 Rest in peace, Cindy. I know. I know. It sounds very confusing. And it's going to make more sense later, I promise. For obvious reasons, you can imagine how this conclusion that Cindy committed suicide didn't go over very well with the local community. People were really fucking pissed, and I get it. Somebody's hogtied and dead in in a yard of abandoned home. How unknown of an event could this have been? Right. In order to make any, like, sense of this, in air quotes, we have to go back approximately seven years before Cindy's death. Before we do, I just want to give a quick backstory about Cindy that is just going to help connect the story. Sure. It's just, you know. Let's go down this rabbit hole, Cindy James. Oh my God. She was born in 1944, spent the first year of her life in Ontario before moving to Vancouver with her family. Her father was an army doctor. He moved his family to Vancouver in hopes of furthering his medical career. Wasn't successful. 1949 rolls around He rejoined the military, her father. Essentially, this meant they'd be moving all over the place. She was uprooted constantly as a child. She never formed relationships. Her parents actually discouraged her from making relationships with children because they didn't want her to become essentially attached Mm. to children that she would then have to leave. There came a point in 1962, her father requested to go overseas for his work. And Cindy wasn't about it. She stayed in Canada and she was 18 years old. That's when she joined a nursing program in Vancouver General Hospital. She lived on the on-site dormitory. So she was like, fuck this, I'm not leaving. I wanna stay here, I'm 18, let me do my fucking thing. Mm-hmm. As any 18 year old would mm-hmm. do. Exactly. So now we're gonna talk about a mystery fiance that comes into the picture. Okay. Oh she's. Got a lot of secrets. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of mystery. Yeah, that's Woman why. of mystery. Absolutely. There's so much here. At one point, Cindy had sent a detailed letter to her parents about how her fiancé committed suicide. Now, a terrible experience, if, you know, that's a thing. Right. Terrible, awful. But, like, the only thing that struck them as odd was that Cindy never mentioned a love interest yet alone that she was engaged. Even her brother Doug, who would visit Cindy in Canada, admitted that he had never seen or heard about this fiancé during any of his visits with his sister. We're going to jump to 1965. Okay. Cindy meets a man named Roy Makepeace, a psychiatrist whom she had worked with at her job. Now, Roy was married at the time, 
but that didn't stop his pursuit of Cindy. He was like this young, beautiful woman. His last name is Make Peace. Yeah. Make Peace. Yeah. And that's going to be questioned later, too. Uh huh. That doesn't sound like a real last name. I know, it really doesn't. Cindy and Roy became an item quite quickly. Roy divorced his wife in 1966 and married Cindy in December of that year. So they moved quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was said that the couple kept their relationship a secret from Cindy's parents who were living in France. Why? Well, good question. Keeping their relationship a secret seemed like it was validated because Cindy sent her parents a letter to finally inform them that she was now married. To Roy make peace. Yes, exactly. The response from her parents was not good. They were very, very unhappy about her marrying this man to the extent that her mother sent a letter back and Cindy chose to read this letter to her now husband, Roy. The letter essentially spoke about her mother thinking that Roy was taking advantage of Cindy because there was a big age gap. She was like 18. He was 39. Hot. Yeah, exactly. Which is a big age gap for that. Yeah. It was soon discovered that Cindy was the one who wrote this scathing letter as if it was written by the mother by the mother oh shit and so a little weird yeah and does cindy actually not have parents and she's just pretending well she did have parents but she chose to do this odd thing okay. for some okay. reason roy her husband you know now make husband peace. make mr make peace he found the behavior to be incredibly odd but essentially wrote it off as like drama like just creating drama for drama's sake I guess, whatever that means. We're going to skip ahead a little bit because now that you have this information, we can go back to the point of like the true seven years before she died. Okay. In 1982, Cindy and Roy divorced and they were married for 16 years. So they were married for a while. Did they have children together? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were just, it was just them. And it seems as though the driving force behind them splitting up was essentially over the fact that Roy was physically abusive, which is fucked up. But Roy actually admitted to slapping Cindy twice out of frustration. However, he absolutely denied the level of abuse that Cindy was accusing him of. Mm. So, I mean, that in itself is kind of odd because you're admitting to something, but like, one would think you just wouldn't admit anything. What's the level of abuse that she was kind of making it out to be? I think like very physical, okay. very aggressive is from what I've gathered. Okay. Yeah. Cindy Zavoris, she gets her own place and it was the first time in her life that she ever lived alone. So it was like a really big deal for a variety mm-hmm. of reasons. However, instead of this being a time of celebration... It's at this point in time where terror and mystery would begin to unfold. Oh, we love terror and mystery. Oh, yeah. Yes. So the events that you're about to hear are over the course of the rest of Cindy's life. So like the seven years. Exactly. After the divorce. So from the divorce to her death. Yes, exactly. I believe the events were pretty much four months after the divorce. So like very. So started. Like. Four months after. So like four months after into that seven years. So it's probably like six and a half years. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Or like six and six. Not cool, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) 
Cindy James has a stalker now. Does uh, she, or oh. does she have an air quote stalker? Well, I was thinking the same thing. Especially like if she wrote that fake letter. Yes. Pretending to be her parents. Yeah. Does she really have a stalker or is it a stalker? <laughs> well, she's stalking herself. That's part of the mystery. Oh. And Continue. There's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in time, she had been living by herself for only a few short months and then things got really fucking weird. Cindy started receiving telephone calls. So I think along the lines of that movie, When a Stranger Calls. Have you checked the children? It, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And yes, exactly. The first threatening phone call to Cindy came in October of 1982. A raspy voice on the other end of the line was making horrendous sexual threats to her. Just to add to the level of creep factor, this mystery stalker seemed to know Cindy's name. He kept repeating it and taunting her, being like, you know, I know what you're doing, Cindy, and like stuff like that. At one point, her ex-husband received a call. Do you want to hear the audio? Yes. Oh, God. Was he saying Cindy dead meat? Soon. Yeah. yeah. Cindy dead meat soon. How fucking insane is that? That is very, very off-putting. Yes. That is really That's like scary. actually really like disturbing. I feel I, really like I, disturbed by well, it. Well, so just side note, a few years ago, I had this stint of reoccurring nightmares and it was the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. I would hear this screaming that was like blood curdling. The first time I had, I heard it from my cell phone. And then the second time I heard it, I heard it from under floorboards. And that sounds like the the voice the yeah the voice that yeah. was in my nightmares well let me just tell you yeah no it's can i just tell you honestly the other night i had an edible and i was doing research on this i've been so fucking creeped out yeah. like genuinely and i kept hearing i'm like first of all i don't know what the fuck's really happening here at the same time yeah and i'm like this is disturbing yeah it is fucking it like is. movie hollywood movie yeah. like worse than that frightening i'm sure we'll get to the bottom of this as the episode progresses but the one thing that i noticed tell me it sounded like there was like a lot going on in the background yeah yeah like music i I felt like it was actually like from a horror movie it felt like he had like a score behind it or some weird shit yeah Yeah. there was like an undercurrent of something noise in the back of it like distorted drone like yeah, definitely. That was an example of like the calls that Cindy was getting. And the ex-husband got the ex-husband, it. Yeah. Make peace got it. Exactly. Now there was like an occasion where Cindy felt as though she was being watched. And I think we've all experienced that where oh, you just feel sure. like you're like, why are like eyes or you know Always you can always feel when eyes are on you. Exactly. So she had that moment. Mm-hmm. Now she proceeds to close her window curtains or drapes, whatever you want to call them, blinds. And following that, the phone rings again. And this time the voice said, don't think pulling the drapes means I don't know you're in there. Uh-huh. So he saw. Yeah. And this was the 80s? Yes. So I'm like, that was obviously before cell phones. So the person had to have been really close. Yeah. And like, I'm thinking like maybe they're calling from across the street or a payphone. Yeah. Something. Or, or I mean, an old fashioned car phone that's like, you know. Yeah. A cinder block. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they called her seconds later to be like, 
don't think that I yeah exactly yeah don't think I didn't see you you. yeah Mm. so now at this point Cindy is like get the police involved we're gonna do this so it's safe to say that she was truly frightened now which who wouldn't be but five days after the calls started coming in specifically on October 12 1982 is when Cindy gets the police over and they she starts telling them everything about what's been going on upon arrival nothing is noted as being out of place around Cindy's property Regardless of there being no physical evidence or damage, the Mm -hmm. police encouraged her to keep a diary of incidents that occurred. Uh, They also encouraged her to get a new slash unlisted telephone number. And it seemed like a good idea in theory, but let's not forget the stalker who seemed to already know where she lived. Right. You know? Cindy takes advice, the advice from the police, gets a new phone number. She changed the color of her car. She did a lot of things over the course of this whole endeavor. Well, changing the color of her car is pointless because if it's knows, the same brand, exactly. or if he knows where she lives, right. yeah. it's going to be the same car in the driveway. Yeah, absolutely. So she was scammed on that one. I know. I agree. Sorry, so, girl. No, it's okay. But, you know, she took the advice. It didn't really seem to matter because the calls became more frequent and more and more aggressive. Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about the first home invasion. There's a home invasion? Oh, Oh, honey, there's everything in this. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're skipping three days ahead now from the police coming and all that. It's the 15th of October. Cindy and her friend Agnes arrive at Cindy's house after having dinner. Cindy's front door is open. There's also a broken window. They eventually make their way to Cindy's bedroom. Her pillows had been violently slashed, and a key to her house was sitting next to her bed. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I feel like it was like a signal of some some kind. Like, like, don't close your eyes, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have a key to your house, and I probably have more. This is when, and there are photos. If you guys want to pull it up, we can take a moment. Look up Cindy James murder notes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like a collage? Yeah, like serial like a, killer. Like choking. And it looks like like magazine clippings where like they like clip individual letters. Mm-hmm. So like one says, soon, Cindy, mm-hmm. you're dead. Merry Christmas, knife, pain, pray for dead, mangle. What the fuck? How fucked up is this? It's really fucked up. There is a archive online where you guys can see this. We'll post it on the Instagram and stuff like that. And we'll include it in the YouTube video. A few days after this event had happened, Cindy began to find the violent letters, the notes that were coming in. We're going to talk about Cindy James and this one cop whose name is Pat McBride. Pat had been on the police force for eight years at this point in time. So Pat took it upon himself to regularly check up on Cindy. Pat seemed to be concerned for her safety, you know, which I think a normal person would. Yeah. You know. You'd be doing your job if you did. Exactly. I mean, he was so concerned that he asked her if she wanted him to move in to her home. Into oh. her spare bedroom. That's a little bizarre. That is a little bizarre. Like a police officer saying, hey, can, yeah. I, yeah. can I move into your Be home? your personal security. intimate. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Does it get steamy between the two of them? Oh, it I does. So. It actually does. Yes. 
He moves in, despite having this now extra security in her home, being Pat, the officer. Cindy's telephone wires had been cut early in November. So this was, what, October? Now we're in November, and he was there... I think he's the stalker. Do you? I'm just going to throw it out there. I could be dead wrong. Hey, but you know what? Speculate. I still think that Cindy is part of this. Okay. I think you both have interesting points. Okay, so now the wires to the telephone lines outside had been cut. This had been discovered. Pat, the officer, found a pair of wire cutters sitting on top of his toolbox He said that he didn't remember using them for anything in recent times. Mm -hmm. So that was odd. Let's talk about Cindy's ex-husband again. Roy Makepeace? Roy fucking Makepeace. That bitch re-emerges, okay? Hey, Roy. So... Are you still alive? I don't know. But if you are, uh, hey. Exactly. Hey, girl. He's probably dead, though, if he's, like, so much older than her. I know. He was, like, 39 in, like, the 60s, right? Mm. So, like, I don't don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But a month after the discovery of the cut telephone wires, the police come across Cindy's ex, Mr. Makepeace, okay? Now, this guy, for whatever reason, he's parked behind her house, and he told the police that he was there to protect Cindy, but he admitted that Cindy was not aware that he was there hanging out, protecting her. Mm -hmm. So they found this a little odd. That is a little odd. Right? I don't know. I feel like you would just let somebody know, like, hey, you're my ex-wife, but, like, I'm concerned for you. I'm going to surveil your house a little bit instead of just being a fucking another creep Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hanging out uh, without telling somebody. Regardless of what's happening at this point, Roy had asked Cindy to move back in with him. Cindy wasn't having it. Not here for it. She felt as though she couldn't trust him and refused the offer. So even with all of this stuff going on, she chose to stay and live by herself, essentially. She had other plans. She was going to move. She was going to move, which I feel like, I mean, in this situation, moving might might help. I don't know. But I don't know. You have your ex-husband that's, like, hiding <laughs> behind your house, <laughs> and then, like, a cop, a cop, yeah. air quotes. yeah. Uh-huh. Living in your house. Right. Yeah. A lot of weird, just a lot of weird. disjointed. And she is a little weird, too. Let's, she is. Let's talk about that. I mean, uh, she yeah, made she, a fake note. Yes. She already, pretending she was her parents. Yeah. Yes, exactly. To her new husband, which is like, what's the point of that? Right. You know? And she was, what, 19, 20 at I the think time? so, like 18, 19. Yeah, yeah. she was the baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was 39. We're going to talk about the first physical attack on Cindy. She's getting ready to move. A few days before she was about to move, Cindy's friend Agnes found Cindy collapse at the bottom of her basement steps. Cindy was bleeding profusely. She had been cut 14 times. Was she tied behind? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So exactly. Remember we said earlier? Was a nylon stocking over her head? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Shit. Wait, um, she was stabbed, cut 14 times? Yeah. Do you, do you know what kind of cuts they were? I said or they were, were lacerations. Like and little slashes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think like maybe on her torso. I'm not 100% sure, but this was the first instance of a physical attack. And the police asked questions about the attacker. Like, did you see anybody, Cindy? Like, what did they look like? She claimed that she didn't see their face. 
So it was said that there was a sense that Cindy was withholding information mm. for whatever reason. Wait, just a quick question. Yeah. Does hogtide mean when it's behind your back? Um, yep. And yeah. your your wrists and your feet? Like are, a little piggy. Like a <laughs> piglet. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. a sex thing, too. So, okay, so she was hogtied. Yeah, arms then, behind and legs, like, like angle to, get, to angle. Okay, and then you. she had a bunch of, like... A black stocking around her neck. And it was the basement steps? Yeah. I know. I feel like there's something a little... Off. Sexual Something about weird it. about this, this Patrick McBride. Mm-hmm. I think there's something weird about everybody in this story. There is. There's a little something. Even Agnes. Even Agnes is Jen, not... Jen. Oh, my God. Jen's cracking the... Like, you didn't crack the case, but Agnes? I think Agnes is weird, too. And we'll explain. Agnes is the best Agnes friend. Yes. the friend. Well, yes. I was saying, how did uh-huh. someone find her in the basement? Agnes found her. But yeah. how? Like, who just walks into someone's house and goes into their basement? <laughs> Very good question. Well, maybe, like, a, if you're a good friend or a best friend, you well, might have a spare key. Yes. And also, though, at this point, Agnes had been clued in to, like, these instances occurring. Okay, so, so she was probably doing, like, a wellness check. Yeah, okay. yeah, it could be something like that. But I also have thought about this, and like I said, it, it'll make more sense later, I think. But was Agnes the one that found the pillows shredded? Yes, yes. Agnes the house was the one that her. she went okay. out to dinner I thought with. that was a little weird. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So now this is the second time Agnes emerges during a very vivid event. That is ironic. Right? The police essentially felt like Cindy was withholding some information for whatever reason, right? So now, this theory that Cindy was holding back information was later confirmed by Cindy's brother, Doug. Doug said that Cindy told him that her attacker told her not to look at him or else he would go after her family. So essentially, deal with this. I will kill your family. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah. We're going to go to the next year following the first attack. Over the next year following the attack, police ramped up the investigation. They would essentially set up surveillance uh, operations day and night on the occasion, weeks at a time even. It's worth mentioning that nothing happened while the police actively observed her house. However, as soon as the active surveillance came to an end, the threatening phone calls and notes picked right back up where they left off. So... Very ironic. Yeah. Especially when you're involved with a police officer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I could I could agree mm-hmm. with that statement. Romantically involved. Yes. Put it that way. Absolutely. And now it's 1983, and Cindy's moving again. So this so, is her second time moving because of a stalker. Yeah, situation? or even third maybe, because there was the first, and then didn't she move again? Or no? No, this, this, this is, is her second a, time. Yes, you are correct. Sorry. So either way, she decides she's moving again. The new house is smaller, but closer to her job. So you know, whatever. Who knows? Maybe this will be great. Cindy decides to take a vacation to get away from the constant harassment, and things seem to, you know, feel like everything had calmed down. Essentially, it, she was optimistic and all of that good stuff. So. She had a good reason to feel that way. Shit had stopped for a little bit. Well, yeah. like, And also you want to just get away to like turn your mind off yeah. and decompress and yeah. get away from the bullshit in your life. Absolutely. For sure. But it wasn't long after the notes started up again once she got back. So despite the months going by of her crazy stalker not communicating with her, she goes into work one day and she finds a note. It says, welcome back. That was in her workspace. And that was the signal that the stalker essentially 
was back in the workplace mm-hmm. back or east. somewhere. Yeah, or you know, or had access infiltrating. to her workspace. Does, yeah. does, did Agnes work with her? That is a good question. I am not sure. What okay. kind of work did she do? But Roy she was a Mate nurse. Piece at one point worked with her. Yes, he did, and okay. he was a psychiatrist. He was a psychiatrist. Yeah. So those are important things to mm-hmm. remember. Okay. Yeah. Cindy and Agnes became friends during, I think, one of her moves, essentially. Okay. I do know that. Now we have the note. It's October of 1983. A few months after, some peace and quiet. October of the same year, Cindy finds a strangled cat on her front lawn. Oh. Is it strangled the same way that she was strangled? I believe so. Ooh, that's yeah. fucked up. And the note next to the cat read, you're next. I've read another variation that there were three dead cats hanging from a tree with the note that said you're next. I'm not sure if these are two separate Mm. instances or, you know, but I've heard two versions. That's crazy town. Yeah, I've heard two versions of it. So the more this story unfolds, Uh I feel like every person now has a part in this. I think there's some sort of, like, group conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think. I think... There's people against her. Yeah, yeah. It seems a little too crazy, and everybody has this kind of reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll share some theories at the end of this, yeah. and we can discuss. Yeah, let's, let's have this unfold yeah. some more. Yeah. So at this point, a man comes into the picture. Another man. Another man. Okay. All right, and I'll tell you about him. Cindy's truly fearing for her life at this point, and she was introduced to a guy named Ozzy Caban, or Caban, depending, I don't know. Ozzy was a security contractor, so he had his own security company, I believe, essentially, or it was just him, but that's what he did. He was very successful, he protected royalty, celebrities, like, he was legit, like, Mm -hmm. he was, like, you know, I guess, reputable. But despite Ozzy's impeccable reputation, it seemed that he couldn't even protect Cindy, Ozzy had given Cindy a two-way radio because, as we spoke about earlier, the phone lines being cut were a reoccurring theme. Okay. He heard some commotion on her end from the two-way radio that he gave her. So he decided to go to her house because he was like, something sounds like there's like could be a struggle. It doesn't sound Mm -hmm. right. This is when the second physical attack is... Is she found the same way again? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So upon kicking the door down... Ozzy finds Cindy unconscious. Holy shit. Uh Uh-huh. And at this point in time, like we said, it's the second instance of her being found unconscious. This one, though, it was a little bit different. Get ready. I want to know. Not only was Cindy found unconscious, but she had a black stocking tied tightly around her neck, like the other times. Exactly. To add another eerie element, there was a note left. But the note was pinned to her hand with a knife. So Mm. it was stabbed into her hand. That's aggressive. Yeah, with a knife. And what did it say? It said, now you must die. Well, she didn't die. No, not not yet. And this was still 1983? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. And she was hogtied? She had the stocking. I'm not 100% sure. I think she was hogtied every time. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Like any person experiencing such terrible shit, Cindy becomes suicidal, unfortunately. That's really sad. It is. I really will fuck with somebody. Of course, of course. She's having a really hard time. She's threatening suicide. So I believe her family or friends helped get her checked into a hospital. So after a couple of days, the doctors felt confident that she was no longer a risk to herself and they released her into the cares of her friends and family. The harassment didn't stop though. Was it (laughs) happening while she was in the hospital? I don't think it was. It seemed as though when she was, like, removed in some capacity, 
it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Cindy decides to move again and another effort to escape the insanity. In doing so, things seem to turn for the worse. Oh, no. Yeah. Cindy is found again. Another oh, attack. Jesus Christ. So yeah, 1985. The, is this the third one now? Or is this the fourth one? This is the third time she's been found. This is the third one she's been yeah. found unconscious. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's December of 1985. Cindy is found dazed and disoriented in a ditch. She was more than six miles from her house. They said that she was nearing hypothermia, wearing almost no clothing. I'm guessing it was really cold. Well, it's also Vancouver, British Columbia, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. More weird elements, though. She had a large men's work boot on only one foot, number one. A rubber glove, I believe, on only one hand. And again, the stocking around her throat. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. How much can one person take? Yeah, but I, I feel like this stuff is so specific. It is. Which I think is really, really bizarre. It's like something that you would see like out of the show Dexter. Yes, yeah, yeah very much so. Very TV. Like, mm. yeah. yeah. Aside from these other odd objects like the men's work boot and the gloves and all that, she was bruised and beaten, black eye, abrasions, as well as a bizarre needle mark on the inside of her elbow. So now there's... A needle mark. Was something injected into her? Was she drugged? Well, it seems like it's a possibility, but we don't know from whom mm. still. Like a syringe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Once again, Cindy claimed to have no recollection of anything okay. that occurred to her. She just, you know, woke up. It is mentioned in some places that she saw the sneakers, like white sneakers, but very like minimal, mm-hmm. excuse yeah. me, detail from what she claimed to have witnessed. As we said, Cindy moved again, right? So the Vancouver police informed the Richmond police about what was going on with Miss Cindy James. Okay. All right? Some more insane details from that. As we know, she recently moved. She's in Richmond now. She was in Vancouver. But essentially, the Richmond police, they had other thoughts in mind. They were not very receptive to this history that was being provided from the mm-hmm. Vancouver Police Department. Now, at this time, is she still living with the with the cop? No, he only lived with her for about a month, okay. I believe. I don't know. I'm sorry, but if I was in her position, I probably would go into witness protection. Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so insane that, like, if this, if this is happening, I, what do you do? Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I don't know. The Richmond police essentially weren't having it, and they thought that Cindy was fabricating the assaults. It's flat out. They thought that she was fabricating some of it. They grew tired quickly due to being called out to her home on many occasions, but not being able to find evidence of a third party, a.k.a. the alleged stalker. Shit. Yeah. But this is kind of contradictory because there are things that say that, like, in Vancouver, police kind of stopped giving a shit quickly, too. So it almost feels like the Vancouver police could have been like, this broad's crazy. Mm. Don't waste Mm. your time. Yeah. So... It's, I can't say officially, I know, I wasn't there. Friends start staying with Cindy, and you would Rightfully so. Absolutely. And one night in April, in the late evening, Cindy wakes up her friend Tom, and Tom is actually the husband of Agnes, or the boyfriend. Okay. All right? So Cindy wakes up Tom, because there was a noise, and Tom said that he heard it as well. So they make their way down to the basement, and there's a fire in the basement. Oh. Was Agnes there? 
Yes. Agnes also. She was. Good old Aggie. She was there. Mm-hmm. They attempt to call the fire department, but guess what? Phone lines were cut again. So this is the third oh, time shit. that uh-huh. something has happened to her where Agnes was somehow involved. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. There had been a panic button installed in Cindy's house by the security was guy, Ozzy. Yeah. Oh, it boy. was. That was disconnected. I'm telling as well. you, it's somebody that's closely connected to her. That's why, like, I'm still thinking it's Agnes. Yeah. 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 I listen. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was something that I was like, Agnes is a little, is a little iffy for me. Yeah. It's worth mentioning some of the witnesses that night of the fire said that Cindy looked very calm before the police got there, and then once they arrived, she started screaming and crying. So it was like. She turned it on, is essentially what's implied. I was about to say, maybe she's just used to this bullshit. I mean, she's like, oh, yeah, and she's like, oh, thank God again. the police are here or something. Yeah. At least I wasn't hogtied this yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, could oh be. But God, this Cindy. is, yeah, but this is, so now, though, this is an instance, though, of something happening with people around. And keep in mind, nothing would happen when the police were there before mm-hmm. in the past. So, like, if this is true... It, whoever it is, whatever it is, is getting a little more bold. That's what it seems like. Her friends, Tom and Agnes, wholeheartedly disagreed. They said that, you know, Cindy was fine. Like, we don't think that she's putting this on because of the implication of, like, the show, if you will. At this point in time, the police were kind of done with Cindy. They were fucking over it. They essentially thought that she was playing games with them. Yeah, so it had not been taken seriously mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. But there was a fire. There was. There. So, I mean, yeah. if there's a fire, that doesn't mean that she's not lying. I and mean, she could be lying, but I right. feel like that's a little more serious, too. Yeah. And it was mentioned that the for some reason, I guess, in the investigation, because there was an investigation of the fire, whoever that investigator was concluded that Cindy was most likely the one who started the fire. I don't know how you prove that yeah. in a house of three people that Cindy started it. I don't know if it's the type of thing where they're like, it's her, she's crazy, crazy, air Mm. quotes, whatever. It just seems like they were so fed up with it that they were just saying this girl, like, is fabricating this so much. Yeah, yeah. How can somebody actually, like, go through this? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's very on point. I think that's probably exactly what it was. Early the next month, Cindy was hospitalized with extreme depression, and she was transferred to another facility where she would then be psychoanalyzed. I don't know which hospital. I'd be curious to know if it was the one where her husband, ex-husband worked. I don't know for sure, but so let me get into it, though. Mr. Makepeace? Yes, Mr. Makepeace, exactly. Yeah, Roy Makepeace. Cindy's there at the hospital being psychoanalyzed. Cindy was diagnosed with hysteria, paranoia, schizophrenia, psychopathy, Hmm. and hypochondrias. Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that's what that is. I think I'm one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people are, you know, that's a common so like whatever, you know, but she was released from the hospital after about ten weeks. October twenty sixth, the panic button is activated again in Cindy's house. Oh, so they fixed it after yeah. it was cut after yeah. the fire. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cindy used that panic button. So upon arrival, Cindy was found hogtied again. Naked from the waist down. So is, it, is this like the fourth hog? This is the fourth or, one. Or third. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm like, this is it's hard to keep track. This is the third or fourth. It's so excessive oh, already. Oh my god. Yeah. This time she is hogtied, like the other times, naked from the waist down, and again choked with a stocking around her neck. But she was halfway inside of her car, like okay, like positioned inside of her car. So her her. Probably from the waist down was like outside the car. Yeah, and I the think waist so. in was in the car. Probably something like that. And oh my once God. Yeah. And once again, Cindy told the police she had no clue how she got there or what happened to her. Was there any other like needle marks found like the last time? So I it didn't in what I've seen, it didn't mention if it was or not. Okay. But the needle mark does come up again. What about any notes? Because I don't think there was a note in this particular instance. Well, it's weird because not like I want her to die or anything, (laughs) but the last time it happened, they left a note and they were like, next time you die. Well, it happened and she ain't dead. Exactly. So Cindy had said to a friend of hers that she didn't believe the person wanted to kill her, but they wanted to frighten her to death. Mm. Kind of an eerie statement. That's really eerie. Right. So the not expert. Oh, a not expert comes um, in. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about hog dying. It seems as though at this point, for whatever reason, Cindy is being looked at more closely. We already know that the Richmond police are not here for it. So a not expert who was called in claimed (laughs) (laughs) that... She could not have restrained herself in such a way. It kind of sounds like the the magic glove theory. What's that? Isn't that O.J. Simpson, the magic glove? Oh, like it doesn't fit or something yeah. or whatever. Yeah. The police dismissed this. They were like, we don't really fucking care if she did it or not. We're like, they were over it. Mm-hmm. Cindy's alarm was activated several times over the next few months, but there was less and less confidence in Cindy's claims as factual. So. Okay. Now, the apparent harassment continues. So, over the next three and a half years, before her tragic conclusion, these events kept going on and on and Holy on. Holy shit. Yeah. We're at May 25th, 1989. So, like, less than a month before she died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cindy's friend Agnes. Agnes. Yes. I'm, I'm, uh-huh. putting, I'm putting all my money on Agnes. I think Agnes is doing it. Yeah. Well, this one's even more, like, mm. Agnes gets to her house and they used to have a scheduled night to play bridge, which I think is very interesting. I mean, it's not that friends don't do things. Well, but we used to do Jackbox night during COVID. Mm-hmm. That is, mm-hmm. yeah, that is so, true. But, you know. We did it once, in, like, once a week, mm-hmm. every Friday mm-hmm. night, remember? Yeah, yeah, we did. That is true. When Agnes arrived to Cindy's house, there was no answer at the door. So naturally, Agnes went into a panic and a search party ensued because Cindy was not there. This resulted in the discovery of her car that we spoke about earlier in the supermarket with the gift and, right. um, you know, all of that. We're going back to the beginning, essentially, now, because now we're getting to the death part portion. So they find her car, groceries, wrapped gift, and a bank receipt from 758 the same evening. Uh, she had deposited her paycheck. We're going to talk about the suspect. Cindy isn't found yet. Just her car. It's no surprise that Roy Makepeace would be a suspect. Roy had an airtight alibi, though. What was it? 
I don't know what the alibi was, honestly, but apparently they claim that he had a really good one. At this point, investigators were puzzled as to who it could be if it wasn't the ex-husband. It's Agnes. Mm -hmm. It's fucking Agnes. Yeah. Well, but the other thing, too, and this is going to like get more controversial, but they were saying regardless of what happened, they kind of just didn't look for a killer. And they kind of gave up on this whole thing because they had made up their minds about Cindy, Cindy, essentially. So, like, there are these other people that were like, what the fuck? What about Agnes? What about the cop? What about, you know? Yeah. And they were just like, nah, she's The security nah. guy. Yeah, exactly. There is audio, if you want to hear it, that is a call that Cindy herself made to her ex-husband, Roy, accusing him. Should we play it? Yeah. Yeah. That was Cindy basically confronting him on the phone, being like, Did are you, you do doing it? this to me? He also has an accent. Notice that. Well, the dead yeah. meat one. I think when you're in Canada, too, like, there's a lot of French-speaking yeah. citizens. And compared, like, his voice to the one of the stalker. Looked, sounded so different. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Two weeks after her car was found, her body was found. Right. Experts start changing opinions. We're going to uncover more bizarre details. The not expert said that she couldn't have done it herself, but for some reason they changed the opinion. They actually demonstrated the technique for the police to show just how easy it could have been for Cindy to tie these knots herself. So for whatever reason, no fucking clue why, they were like, oh, we, just kidding. She could have done this. It, it just gets I more can, and more weird. I mean, I'm sure, like, a circus performer can do it, or, like, an acrobat, macrame The Grey Houdini could have done it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that's... Yeah. I don't know why this doesn't make much sense to me, but the investigator said that it was unlikely that she would have ingested it involuntarily. Right. Cindy's coroner report, once again, unknown event, is what it was listed as, her death. They believe it was a suicide, or that's what they're saying. There was a lack of evidence. Their belief in the case being a suicide is essentially on the foundation of never finding any evidence, suggesting there was a third party. So that's pretty much what they went off of. But then there's also the controversy of there being... They say that the cops just fucking stopped caring and looking Mm, for evidence, even. We're nearing the end, so I'm going to add some more strange facts. Okay. And then we can do some, like, of our talk and theory. Sure. All right. So, Cindy apparently had a hypnosis session in 1984. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And Cindy recalled a story about her ex-husband, Roy, murdering two people on a boating trip. Now, uh, however, these statements... Was this before or after she was diagnosed with schizophrenia? (sighs) That's a good question. And it's also worth noting, since we're doing more of these strange facts, that during one of her hospital stays, two different psychiatrists determined that Cindy was staging events during psychotic breaks. So, two doctors' opinions, but once again, we don't know. Was this the hospital where Roy worked? Was this the hospital? Like... Yeah. You know? And maybe they were egged on, too. I mean, maybe her case was not taken seriously. And they were like, please don't fucking do this because we fucked up majorly. Who knows? There was another guy the night of the fire that was like, that house is on fire. And then, like, the cops went to approach him and he ran away from them. 
for some mm-hmm. strange reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really think that's... I that know, just sounds very irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. I think so, too. Also, another strange fact is that after one of her stays at the hospital, Cindy went into therapy. She was okay for about a year. There were no instances of anything happening. Oh, boy. For a year. So no notes. Nothing. Phone calls. Yeah. So maybe it was Cindy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm. Pat McBride, the cop, right? He's somebody that we're all a little questioning. That's the one that moved in with her for about a month. Yeah, that was the cop. Exactly. So Pat, who lived with her, they were in a romantic relationship as it had been, you know, determined. And he allegedly proposed to Cindy at some point in time. She refused him. They maintained a great friendship despite this, or so it is claimed. Although the main theory as to why he might be the killer is because everything stopped when he was there. He knew the times that people would be coming and going, like... You know, it seemed like he would be a solid, solid person. Yeah. This is from Reddit. I'm going to preface it with that. But there was a thread where somebody claimed to be related to the cop, Pat McBride, who, Mm -hmm. uh, according to this post, has since died. And the person said that, I think it was her uncle. Let's say her uncle. And And she was like, he had issues with similar things in the past like stalking things i don't know the validity of this you know people online it's reddit exactly i wouldn't i wouldn't put a ton of weight into it but like all right it exists it exists it exists it does so we got to put it out there some more theories there you ready yes this is this is good there was an analysis done on the voice recordings (laughs) okay it's been claimed that the voice in all of the recorded phone calls was female how i don't know i'm not a voice analysis oh i thought there was like a (laughs) yeah but i guess maybe tonal range or something um but i think that's an interesting one I have a note here. Jen clued in early on. I said, I have a feeling Agnes could be involved. That's what I have written yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. But for now sure. I'm like kind of changing my tune a little bit. Yeah. Thinking that like it could have been Cindy this whole time. I think if it wasn't Agnes, it was I think. Cindy. No, I, mm? I still think the, the cop that lived with her. Yeah. For that short time. Yeah. Because. It was his way of getting in, yeah. getting closer, getting all the information he would need. Right. Maybe he had a lot of police officer friends and he was poisoning the well and yeah. saying she's fucking crazy. Don't Could take be. it seriously. Yeah. Yes. I think a lot of times police and doctors, there is some sort of partnership that they oh, have sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I'm not putting all of my money on him, but I think he's a he is a suspect. Person of interest. Yeah, he's the first one I would check. I yeah. think it's ironic that Agnes was there for like three yeah. major moments in yeah, this entire, that is a little fucking weird. This entire yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And Agnes is in the Unsolved Mysteries uh, episode, if you guys care to check it out. This is speculation that Cindy had Munchausen's. Munchausen's is essentially people who make themselves sick for attention. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. There you go. They say that, you know, because Cindy ultimately did die of a morphine overdose, Cindy was a nurse. She would have had access to medications and stuff like that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 She She was a a nurse. nurse. 
So she would have known how to administer injections and somehow, some way, every single time, Cindy did not die. But there's also a red flag, the fact that like if we go back, that after her and Roy got married, she forged a letter that was supposed to be written by her parents, but it was really her. Yeah. And was I think saying that, was, that she disapproved of the marriage. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder why she did that, because they didn't get divorced until like sixteen years after that yeah i'm slowly starting to change my tune and think that like cindy did this all and she was the mastermind behind it for attention i think it's in the realm of possibility that's part of what makes this such a bizarre story is that till this day nobody knows cindy james died for unknown reasons oh there's no conclusion no there is not. Oh, that's so unfair. I know. There oh, is man. nothing. You took yeah. us on this over yeah. one hour uh, long journey uh, for no conclusion, Mark. Yes. Man, there's I know. nothing. But that's, but there's you know no, what? There's no conclusion. No. Oh, Cindy man. James, as far as public record is concerned, right. is an unknown reason wow. for her death. She's, damn. Yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, man. So we have to try to come up. We have to try and come up with it. I know. I feel bad for Cindy, regardless of whether it was her or not. I feel bad for the woman. Yeah. You know? I do, too. And there, you know, there was... What did Agnes say on that Unsolved Mysteries episode? Did she look crazy? Like... You know, there was something off. uh, But it could be the influence of all the research I've done. I mean, so that could be my projection onto her. But Agnes and, um, you know, other people who were there to support her believe that she was murdered a million percent. Um, Everyone seems to think that she was murdered. Remember the investigator, the security guy, Ozzy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He at one point stopped believing her, Cindy. And he was like, I was pretty much like checked out of this. But the two-way radio that he gave her. He was then convinced again that she was being attacked because he heard a commotion mm-hmm. going on. And that was what got him back on her side, essentially. There was another theory that she might have, uh, she might have had DID, which is essentially, um, they don't use the term anymore, but multiple personality disorder. Or essentially, like one personality can become dominant, do different things. Being somebody who has known people with more severe mental illness, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to armchair you. But from my personal experience, people will go to great lengths to try to convince somebody that what they believe in their head is real. Absolutely. We all know people like that. Absolutely. We do. She was diagnosed, but once again, then there's the element of like, were these people uh, in cahoots? Was there? Like, there's just really no good definitive right. answer yeah in my opinion man yeah so it's very perplexing i'm yeah. really just <laughs> i'm sorry i'm dude. so intrigued because of yeah. this is truly a very bizarre thank you bizarre story. i was hoping to like, bring you all a very bizarre it's story really fun. the hog i'm stuck the on the hog, hog tie thing. yeah the it, voice i just don't understand it's like and she how was, you can't remember a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a little. Yeah. And then it's, but also, could so, it be the morphine? It could be, but Cindy also expressed to a friend of hers, maybe, let's say Agnes, that I, there was one instance, I believe, where her mouth was also duct taped. And Cindy believed or expressed that she may have, might have suffered brain damage. 
as a result of a lack of oxygen flow. Mm -hmm. But then there are instances, once again, and I think we did mention it in the story, where Cindy said she didn't know anything, but then she would let out like little nuggets and she'd be like, well, I'm scared because the person said they were going to kill my family. And then it was, she would also like let out another thing like, oh, well, like I was going into my garage and the next thing I knew the stocking was around my neck and all I saw was white sneakers and that's it. So like she would like gradually let out little bits of information, Mm -hmm. but still nothing that could be like, like sneakers are primarily white. Like most sneakers, you know, like, I don't know. It's so hard. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Was she being choked or it was just like the stocking around her neck? Well, they were, I guess the idea was to choke her Yeah. or like in, in this one instance, it was like, maybe they put it around her neck to get a grip Mm -hmm. on her and then injected her. Roy Makepeace is still somebody who's a little suspect, the ex-husband, even though he allegedly has an alibi, Hmm. uh, a strong one. The cop one. There was something in there where they believe that um, Cindy might have been a lesbian or bisexual, and she was trying to hide this relationship, and they said the female, the voice recording was female, Maybe her and Agnes, maybe Could her and stuff. Possibly. I mean, this is just speculation. Yeah. Right. But, you know, we're giving you some food for thought. But anyway. I think Agnes and Cindy both knew more than they were leading on to. Yeah. A million percent. Well, I yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this. Yeah, I really did. And I'm sorry that Cindy James is still unknown causes. And it'll probably never officially be solved is there a sex fetish out there where you stalk someone there has to be i'm sure there is i think gang stalking sex fetish i'm sure that stalking itself is kind of like murdering where like these people get a sexual release i'm sure there is an element of that sorry i know we're trying to end this episode just because i'm thinking of the episode that you did where people pay to get kidnapped oh yeah the i was i was kidnapped episode yes yeah love it that episode was so fun and i'm just wondering if maybe it's one of those like situations thrill, like a thrill seeking type of yeah. experience yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. shit okay. i know and i can't confirm this but i feel like i was trying to find the article or the thing that i read this on but now once again all right don't take this as fact i'm not claiming it to be but i felt like i saw somewhere that like somebody at some point in time said that one of the calls came from within cindy's house oh. So that I don't know. I can't speak to the validity. Yeah, it's just a, but just it's something the out there that yeah. I feel like was mentioned somewhere. I can't reference where right. I saw this though. So I, it could have been a combination of many, many things. I I think that I don't know. Cindy, like it could have been like they knew they were wearing her down. They were making her crazy because who wouldn't yeah. if you're not if you're not quote unquote crazy. You might go fucking crazy yeah. if oh, this yeah. is happening to you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure anybody could have that potential. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that one day something might be resolved, but I don't think it will. But let us know what you think. What yeah. happened to Cindy yeah. James? Yeah, message let us, us on know. Instagram yeah. at Bizarre Buffet. Let us know your theories. I'm really interested message to hear more. at Facebook on Bizarre Buffet. Please do. Patreon.com. Message us there where yeah. you can get horny shit from us. Mm. Yeah, Patreon is lit. It, it is. is. You're going to get a handmade pin from me. Absolutely. BizarreBuffet.com. And our YouTube. Yeah, yeah our you YouTube. Please page. subscribe. Hello. Subscribe to us. Yes. We love you all. We do. And um, with that being said, 
I'm hogtied. And I'm Agnes. Oh, I love it. And I'm a pair of black pantyhose. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wow. Bye. Roy, make peace. <laughs>